everyone, welcome to Deconstructing Damsels. Today I am recording outside, so please ignore any, say, saws going off, big-ass trucks that no one actually ever needs, birds, lots and lots of birds, because it's really pretty outside and I just kind of wanted a change of venue for that reason. So today I'm going to talk about a book that I got an arc of, Make Me Fall by Sarah Ryder. But first, I kind of want to talk to you guys about the podcast. So I kind of feel like no one's listening. And I hate saying that, but I want to be honest because that's always been my way. I've always been totally transparent to the point of stupidly so sometimes. And in that way, I need to know a little bit more about y'all that are listening. I need you to give me a little bit of feedback, like what you want, what you don't want, because... I'm not exactly rich, like I'm working poor to be honest, and I'm noticing that this is kind of sometimes digging into my money, but I don't want to create a Patreon if no one's listening because I don't want to guilt people or shame people or have them feel like they should contribute. It's just always been my way. I've always been above board and honest about that. I'm I'm really, really bad about asking for help anyway. I'm like that stupidly strong independent you know julius sugar baker do it my way no way whatever i it's just that's how i've always been which is why i was surprised that my uh, fiance actually made a youtube channel for deconstructing damsels with the audio and he made these really great covers because i didn't even think about it it not in my wheelhouse i didn't think about it so i need to get a little bit of feedback from y'all like seriously if you want to you know, you can always email me at damselspodcast at gmail.com. You can catch me on Twitter. Honestly, Twitter's probably your best bet. That's the same thing at damselspodcast because that's where I have most access to during my working hours because I work retail and it's easier to go back and forth than to try and type on my phone and I don't have internet at home right now, so I just have my phone. I would really, really appreciate that. Like, I am not above begging, apparently, today. So, that's the where did this come from segment of the day. But first, I also want to tell you guys that I've got at least three episodes I need to finish planning out. I'm waiting on some books from the library about the damsels in distress, like an academic-y type episode. Um, And then I've also got to finish reading some Bev Jenkins, because I want to do a world about her books. Or I guess rather about the women of her books because she writes these amazing women who are not here for any of men's shit. And I appreciate that in every way of the word. And I want to write about the Queen's Game because I think that it's this great view of royalty in a different way. So that will be coming up in October. And I purposely waited until October because that's Halloween. And that's kind of dress up month. And how many of us wanted to be queens and princesses and stuff like that as a kid so kind of goes together make me fall by sarah Ryder. this actually fell into my lap because i was talking on twitter and sarah had written online she was like anybody that wants to read it you can I was like oh oh me because well I'm not a beer drinker I actually hate beer 
The only kind of beer I would drink is if it's something like a pineapple arita because that or if I, if I can uh, use something like Coke to cut it because I've done that with a couple of English beers before. I'm just not a fan, but I enjoy the idea of a brewery and a book club at the same time. I think that's this really great idea because I'm that chick that sits at the bar and will read a book and eat and watch all the people. Hey, it's fun people watching and you might as well get something out of it besides, you know, just eating your food, your delicious, delicious food. So I was really excited and I read it a while back, but I waited to do this review because I wanted to wait until it was closer to her premiere, which I think is the 27th or the 29th. I know it's sometime in that, that time frame, so this is about a week early, just to give a heads up so people can pre-order it or they can order it on release day. Her main character is Nora Pitts. Nora Pitts is a scientist who gave up a pretty stellar, promising beginning of a career to go with her husband to Boston. He was a cheating jackass. And so she left him and left all her connections in Toronto where she's from. And she didn't have any in Boston yet because she was just there under her spouse visa. So then she got a job out in Washington at Shadow Creek at a community college, which was not exactly what she was used to. She was used to higher end labs and higher end money and you know more academic resources than what this little community college offered and as someone who actually went to a community college I can definitely understand what she means I kind of got annoyed with her when she kept talking about it because it was very like snobby but as someone who knows academics there can be a lot of snobs in academics as well so to me that read pretty true but she gets there and there's this annoying neighbor Eli Harden who she doesn't know his name at first, but he's constantly renovating the house. Big, booming saws, disco music, just very inconsiderate as a neighbor. And she kind of meets him when the um, the book club she met on Craigslist shows up and just kind of like treats her like crap. Like she's the one making them food. She's making them feel welcome and they treat her like utter and complete junk. I'm not here for that, by the way. But when they meet, he basically says, oh, I'm dating her, even though he's totally not, or he would date her because of the way how they're describing her. You know, these are catty women, Annie, Gemma, and Rose, and they're toxic users who don't really help her. They basically use her only. Annie and Gemma kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Marguerite from Ever After. Yeah, you remember her? Yeah. And Rose was kind of more like Jacqueline, but without the backbone to stand up to her mother or anyone who's kind of treating her like crap. Um, I wish there had been a little bit more variety because it was literally like, I guess a better, <laughs> a better reaction for me would be like the Misfits from Jim and the Holograms. You know, they, they, were, they were a lot more like pizzazz and Rose was more like Stormy. Kind of like that in-between ability to kind of go back and forth, but still loyal to the people that don't like her very much and so it creates this great thing because that's the whole reason the book club was coming to join her house because her hot as hell neighbor was often shirtless while he was working on his house or wearing like one of those wife beaters or something just to you know make your tongue hang out and go whoo one thing i really really liked about nora though was she was in her 30s you know a lot of romances you read people in their 20s and as someone who's in her late 30s now I appreciate hearing stories about people in my age range, people going through stuff, people going through crap. I find that really, really helpful and really, really appropriate. And she's really empathetic. Like when her parents are going through their divorce and 
they're just being over the top and somewhat histrionic, she's still very empathetic. She's still annoyed, but empathetic. And that's something I think we all can understand, too, when you're being a bystander, but you're still affected by it, and you're just going, huh? And just like she was very empathetic to Eli and his sister Julia when they were talking about the memorial for their mom, this is what you need. I get it. We're in a fake relationship, but I'm still going to show up for you. Like, I'm still going to be there when you need me. Kind of awesome that way, I have to admit. She's assured. She's not confident necessarily, but she's assured in her ability as an academic. She knows what she knows. She's not going to say she doesn't. And she's quick to find alternative routes when her ex-husband does some pretty stupidly egregious academic theft by using something that she wrote she did a lot of the research on when she was by stealing it and presenting it as their own i i do wish that she'd been a little bit more um retaliatory on that because it felt like she was too easily slipped into the role of the passive person and academic theft is a really big deal not i mean like the book was not about academics it was about a brewery but if you're going to have a professor i i'd like to see that a little bit more just because again i know a lot of my former professors i know how they are i'm an academic at heart like theft is a very real problem and i wish that it had been addressed a little bit better and i wish that he'd gotten to be able to get his comeuppance a little bit more because it said like in the book it just says she's like she was too past uh, she pushed her chair back with a growl how could he do this to her why was she even surprised gavin was an opportunistic asshole which was one of the reasons he had been such a successful academic like she just expects it and i, I that was just a little bit too much for me Oh, oh, okay. So I should also mention in this book, there's like a thousand movie references that I kept getting. I don't know if that's what what uh, the author wanted, but I kept seeing them everywhere. So this entire review is going to be peppered with them. And one of the things I noticed was she was like very attention detailed. And there's a scene that reminds me of the mirror has two faces. When she's ordering at a restaurant, she says, she being Nora says, I'll have the peppercorn steak medium, but could you replace the green beans with the seasonal vegetables and go light on the gravy? Actually gravy on the side, please. If you've ever seen The Mirror Has Two Faces, that's when um, uh, Barbara Streisand and it's kind of like Barbara Streisand and scene with Jeff Bridges when they're ordering for the first time at that restaurant on top. And she's very, very attention detailed and giving exactly how she likes her food. And then she eats it very methodically. And it just it made me smile because that's one of my favorite movies. And so I was like, okay, yep, I definitely can see where she's a science major. I can see where she's going to do things as she needs to, as she wants to. It really worked for me. And she's got a quick wit, too. Like, she's not afraid of making her opinions known. For instance, there's one point where she's teasing Eli, and she very politely says, about as likely as you getting used to my boot and your nuts. I don't remember the scene, but I highlighted that in the book because it made me laugh. And she's not afraid to embrace the moment, not worrying about sounding too feminine or too masculine in the relationship. And I think that's a nice balance because sometimes science and STEM majors can seem a little bit too cold and clinical when they're pa they're passionate about what they do. So why wouldn't they be passionate about something else in their life? Again, I'm not a STEM major by any stretch of the imaginations. I'm humanities or die, but I definitely uh, um, like that kind of point. And Eli actually introduces her to the Books and Brew crew at his brewery. And I like the varying levels of life experience in this particular group. And like I said, I wish that the Craigslist group had been a little bit more like this because Nora kind of is that analytical stimmer and Julia kind of acts as the guide and 
and everything since that's where her brother's brewery is but she also works there so there's a connection clem is the uh i'm assuming clem is actually from the first book in the series because this is book two and she's a romance voice actor so she does the audiobooks and stuff like that and i think that bridges a really nice gap in romance landia fans and how we interact on twitter and stuff like that because you can see the voice actors you can kind of get them and then you also get like the authors and you get the fans and there's that nice little kind of connection and then you have clover and chastity which are her sisters and they kind of provide a more balanced view on how things go because i think it's clover who has the twins that are just absolutely bonkers like (laughs) if something can go wrong when they're around it is absolutely going to go wrong because they've just got so much energy but what i really liked was adding lisa at the same time as nora made the group larger and it kind of fit them in, but it also put a different viewpoint on a new person. So you're not just looking at it from Nora. Like this is not a group that's been together for years and years and years. These are people that kind of fold into each other and create their own little book club and their own little romance club. And of course you've got Lorenzo, the only guy who's this big old softy with big tattoos, a big beard, big glasses but he's still like teaching them how to make chocolate and stuff like that so it's kind of like this nice little different perspective on romance but it still really works and you've also got um alice and jesse who are her friends from toronto and they've known her forever they understand they keep an eye on her parents because sometimes parents are just not grown up no matter their age and I think that's because, well, to be to be fair to her parents, Nora's dad is very academically inclined. inclined. He, like, he's always, always thinking about this thing or that thing, and he never puts his family first. And her mother was just kind of like fed up with it after 30 years, which can be understandable. You don't want to be ignored if you're in a partnership and in a marriage. But Alice and Jesse kind of are her tethers in her life back when she was a kid and her life now in her mid-30s as a recent divorcee and I I think it's a good balance of course you've also got Robin who was Nora's former mentor who is like okay you're not enjoying academic you don't like grading papers you don't enjoy any of that but you like having access to all these benefits like you know labs which you don't have in Shadow Creek because they just don't have the budget and you like having the academic papers on hand the connections and networking, the funding, stuff like that. And Robin has left academia, has moved on to kind of a startup setup, and she's trying to get Nora in there. It's nice to see all except for the Craigslist group kind of working together to build something. I wish it had more connections in her academic side because she was kind of like the only woman that you saw in academia. I mean, she works in the school, so there's got to be like a coffee bar or something like that where you could actually like have that moment of, this is what she's like at work. This is what she's like at home. This is what she's like with in her group and her area of expertise of outside work, like romance novels and stuff. That was the only thing that I really wish that we had had more of, just to kind of round her out a little bit. Because again, I, I know academia really well between staying friends with my former professors and being someone that's actually got into grad school f- four different programs but never gotten in because I couldn't get living funding overseas in all different sections of the fear of humanities as well. Even one was in law school. I got into the University of Galway, but I couldn't afford to go this year. But it was for the law school, the one-year law school master's degree. And I guess she's not really like anybody else. Like, you can't really see her as another character because in some ways she's her own. 
but I guess I could put her more closer to like Paris from Gilmore Girls sans the high high antisocial behaviors and lord knows there's enough of those She's very methodical. I mean, you see that when she's meeting the Books and Brew crew when to Lorenzo, she's like, oh, you're the one that does this. And so she very clearly knows her topics and she knows her talking points, which is why she gives a great presentation later on about the stuff that she's working on in Shadow Creek. And it, it says a lot. So let's talk about Eli for a minute. If you want to talk about how much he sucked, honestly, I think the highest I could give him was like 10% of suckage. He honestly was a really good character. He wasn't high-handed. He wasn't toxic. He wasn't a jackass. He was actually pretty okay. He's got a good sense of humor about things. Like, there's a scene where he's talking about his looks because everyone kind of drools over him. And he goes, I figured I'd grace the Wonder Woman convention with my presence and all those lovely ladies a little appreciation for their dedication to those little blue shorts and boots. Which could be read as sexist. But I think it's a tit-for-tat considering how much people are kind of looking after him and lusting i think it's a nice balance to that but he also talks about like his sexuality as he reads as pretty heterosexual but he's not gross about it he says i'm open-minded about my sexuality but a guy who insisted his own urine is the best fertilizer for his herb garden isn't exactly my type i can definitely read that as someone who is aware of the toxic crap found in men's lives and it's okay to go around it He's also really good because last year they did a fundraiser for the local animal rescue and it just didn't go really well. I mean, it didn't do bad. It just didn't do great. And he wanted to do more. So with prodding from Nora, he kind of was able to create a better standout. He was able to work with the local board of commissions, the health board and all that kind of stuff to work a a system out. So the animals and the people could enjoy a little time together, a little communication. He's also really good with details because I have a picture I took that I wrote on a dry erase board. That's got a picture of a wine glass and it says, make me fall. And I did that because that was one thing that she didn't like. She didn't like beer. She wasn't a fan of brewery type stuff she was a fan of wine and he was aware of that and he just brought her wine he paid attention and he knew what she liked what she didn't it it just felt like a real person i kind of wish that he had been maybe a little bit more flawed to be honest just something to kind of make him seem fully rounded but that's a minor quibble honestly at this point He was a good balance to Nora because she had had such a battered ego and soul after the divorce, being far away and her parents constantly pulling her in the middle of their crap, that it was nice to see someone just support her, something most women need. I mean, we all need someone in our corner, and if it's going to be our romantic partner, we want them to really be in our corner. Like I said before, his sister is Julia, and she's part of the Books and Brew Club. They've been kind of distant since their mother's death a decade ago because of grief. Because grief can alienate without trying because you're both trying to just to breathe when you lose someone that's absolutely important. I want to say she was a single mother as well. So that was kind of like a huge touchstone for their family. She tries to be her best in the pub, but you can definitely tell it's more of her brother's passion. She's more passionate about the books, just trying to maintain the memorial and do it and make everything seem okay. And that kind of leads into the meet cute that I talked about in the beginning a little bit where they met... Because she was tired of him, like, running his saw at, I don't know, 8 o'clock in the morning with loud, loud disco late at night. And I loved it because her favorite movie in the entire book is The Princess Bride. When she's, like, bemoaning facts, Alice is like, would you please stop doing this? And so she does. Not really, but she says she does. 
And when she's writing to him, when we first introduced to her, she calls Eli Mr. Humperdinck von Spackle Dick III. And I laughed because it, you can definitely tell there's a lot of movie references throughout this book. And that one just really worked. For me, it worked because it kind of said how different they are. She's very organized. Her house is like, you know, everything has a place. Every place has a thing. Everything is completely who she is. It's, it's not clinical. It's just organized. And his house is just kind of like all over the place because he's trying to do all these different renovations so he can get it together and a little bit more chaos. The heat level is, I say medium heat. It's not like erotica and it's not like a chaste or fade to black either. There's a little bit of sexual tension and there's a little bit of physical intimacy but, you know, I've said this before, that doesn't really hold my interest. Ironically, as a romance reader, that's not really where my interests lie and haven't probably for about a decade. But what I appreciate is, is the, the emotional intimacy that they have. I said the scene about the memorial with his mom or the little things about remembering the wine. They're little crossovers that give them some more value and more depth. There's a line in here that you can definitely tell is very 10 things I hate about you because I don't hate you at all. To be honest, you're the best thing that's happened to me since moving to Shadow Creek, which of course is Nora. And that just very much reminded me of Kat in 10 things I hate about you and the fact that when you least expect it, the world can offer a prize. And I'm not going to spoil the book or anything, but they ended up together and... It was this great scene about how she's taking chances now, something she did by moving to Shadow Creek. But Nora wasn't a general big risk taker. She was going to make sure everything was well thought out and well valued at the time. Since Shadow Creek was the one that offered her a job when she needed one and no one else was, she was like, well, I'm moving to Washington now. I think it's Washington. Maybe Oregon. Either way, it's the Pacific West Coast, nowhere near my area. There's a scene where she's cutting things to get his attention. And it just, all I have the notes is, is me. She was in the middle of, the, of his yard, tugging awkwardly at the cord of his weed whacker in a way that put her at risk of losing more than a few fingers. Yeah, that's why I had a weed whacker that was that little piece of wire thing that just went, Vrr. took it back because it didn't work. But it still went, Vrr. you don't want to give me anything electrical. Probably not your best plan. Or a pool stick cue, to be honest. More than one man has felt that wrath accidentally but he still felt it obviously one of my favorites is the opening of the book and it was a great comfort read it felt like something you could see happening because neighbors are very contentious people sometimes so it felt like it was a real moment and then when she's going to uh, the conference he jumps in the car without any kind of clothing not even a toothbrush he just goes with her because he's like okay this is our time. We need to work on this. They've been dating for a while. They've kind of established some kind of relationship. They've had their ups and downs. And this is important to her. So he should go with her. So he does. Obviously, they have to get him some stuff when they're at the convention for that couple of days. And that's where he also meets Robin. And they start talking about her moving maybe back to Toronto. Which, it's a hard decision for a woman to make because... STEM is really, really hard for women in the best of days, so I can definitely see why it would take some thought and processing and if it's really worth it. But he just follows her lead in the conference, and he manages to, like, 
listen to her and listen to some more panels and you can definitely see why he was a chemistry undergrad but he just didn't want the academic life so he ended up working as a brewery master now would i read or not read this duh of course i would totally reread this book hello yeah the one thing i would say is if you want a comfort read read it if you want something that's like thought-provoking i don't know go pick up war and peace it's definitely like one of those feel-good movies where you go okay this works this is it's a rom-com in some ways it's not necessarily a romantic comedy but it's got a lot of the feel-good moments of it and do i do i not like the author yeah Sarah is hilarious on social media. You know, I started following her so she could DM me the arc and stuff like that. And she's always got little funny things that she's writing about or talking about. She doesn't necessarily shy away from the the actions of the romance community in general. She's engaged. And I think that's really important because it kind of helps me understand the characters if I understand the writers and how they intersect. You can find her on Twitter at SarahWriter42. I would definitely follow her, see what's up, you know, find out what's coming up with her next books. If you like this book, I would definitely read the first book, even though I haven't yet. But I would definitely read it because I think it offers a little bit more happiness in the world. So that's my review on Make Me Fall by Sarah Ryder. And for today's featured podcast, we're going to go with Heaving Bosoms. Heaving Bosoms is a uh, podcast I frequently will give episodes to my fiancé to read. Again, remember him from episode 6, Temptations of a Wallflower, the non-romance reader. Yeah, he dies laughing every time. Aaron and Melody are energetic. They're fun. They enjoy what they're doing. They enjoy talking about it. And there's one episode called Mastered by Her Mates, which is all about a sexual... Menage with aliens that are first cousins. And there's a pooper scooper bot that goes up and makes sure you never have to go potty again so you can be fucked in the ass. You can find them at Heaving Bosoms on Twitter. It's heaving underscore bosoms. And you'll find a lot of their humor is very on display there. Download their podcast, listen to it, laugh, because every episode is a laughable one. There's always something that they start laughing and you just want to laugh with them. There's something very feel good about their episodes. But caveat, no kids. Seriously, don't. If you think I can get rather or maybe not so kid appropriate, wait until you hear them. And there's a story for everything and for everything there's a story and it just really works. So that's Heaving Bosoms. It's another romance one. I'm kind of spreading them around so I can keep interweaving. But they're probably one of the first ones I ever subscribed to when I started getting to romance podcasts. And they're definitely ones that I keep listening to even if I haven't read the book, which majority of the time I haven't read half the book. Well, like 85, 90% of the books. Oh, How to Flirt with a Werewolf. Amazing, because I've actually read that book. I read it years ago and they're reactions are great it's funny it's hilarious i love the bing boom bombs there's just a whole bunch of really great fun energy in every single episode okay guys that's it for today as a recap we've talked about make me fall by sarah Ryder. we've definitely promoted heaving bosoms I need to know what you guys are listening to, what you think about the podcast. Feedback is probably the only thing that can give me any kind of indication of what I need to change. And I'm pretty sure I do. I just don't know what. 
And lastly, well, not lastly, second to last, thank you to Sven for the YouTube channel because I would have never understood it. And especially since I don't have internet right now, he's in control of all of that stuff. Thanks, guys, for listening. I do mean that. Anyone who has listened, anyone who has promoted it, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Oh. Oh. Yes. And thank you to Yeah, No, Yeah podcast for the amazing (laughs) review. I appreciate them. They make me laugh. And thank you to Advanced Her Story for your review. I have not forgotten that you guys have been reviewing. It's just been a hot minute since I updated anything. If you guys want to leave me a review, awesome possum. I would totally appreciate it. Again, feedback. (laughs) I'm such a broken record this episode, but feedback. Feedback makes it happy. It makes a very happy host. And a very happy host means a motivated host. So you can find me on Apple, Google, on the podcast host at Deconstructing Damsels. There's a little space between Deconstructing and Damsels. .pinecast.co I'm on Stitcher somewhere. I know I am. And I think I'm in most places, but I'm not quite sure where. So if you find me on another random location, let me know. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this very strange, very awaited episode. See you guys. And enjoy the plane.